0: The Watch Pod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead Goodyear, more driven. Baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. And with the NFL draft just two weeks away, don't forget to check out the first draft with Mel Kuiper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the World Pod. Here with Mikhail Bridges of the Phoenix Suns, the surging Suns, one and a half games behind Utah for the lead in the Western Conference. And uh, Mikhail, first, welcome in. You, you got an off day now in Phoenix. Let me ask you this, in the middle of the, uh, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, are you... As limited as ever in what you can do on an off day, can you go around? Ha- has it opened up for you based on your situation? Or is it as isolating as it was, has it's been all season? Yeah, man. I mean, even without the pandemic, past couple years, even off days,
1: like I like to do recovery and I like to just really use my off days to really not do anything. Like I'll recover and then relax. So I really just chill. I'll be inside all day. I got my dog right now, so it's good. Like, I'll get out and like walk them and stuff. But other than that, I'm inside chilling all day, taking advantage of really being off because you play every other day, you play back to back. But there definitely is, definitely is restrictions Even if I just want to go eat inside and stuff with a friend or something, it's not, you know, you can't do that. So it's a little bit different for sure. But it doesn't really mess up my, um, the things I do every single day especially on off days.
0: Yeah, and you're – this season for the Suns, and it feels like, Mikel, that your season in some ways, it felt like it started in the bubble. I mean, the bubble was like almost a separate season from last year, but it was his own entity. And you guys go – you roll through unbeaten, um, just missed the playoffs. You have a very short window. You make the Chris Paul trade, and it felt like the momentum from Orlando just swept into this season. That's what it looked like. Is that what it felt like within your team? Yeah, I mean, it gave us more confidence, and I think it just
1: gave confidence in um, everybody else's players, as in like me, Cam Johnson, Campaign, Javon Carter. Uh, you already know with Book and even even uh da as well but it just gave us confidence how we play down there that you know just our next step of stone to getting better so um it really helped us book you already know he's going to be book he's already he's already up here and he's going to keep getting better he don't he didn't really need the bubble to really show that he's already he's already really talented so but guys are trying to still make a name for themselves and um and be out there for minutes. That's what we did and showed and put confidence in us, knowing what we have to go on for next year to be better as players. And um, but them eight games, man, it, it, I know personally it helped me just to have a rhythm and be confident coming to this year and um, just trusting the work. And, but that definitely helped us. And then obviously adding players like CP and Jay Crowder uh, you get Langston, Etuan, added players like that is just, it goes up another level. So it's just, uh, the bubble definitely started everything.
0: Mikael, take me there. The The day that Chris Paul walks into the practice gym in Phoenix, when he walks in with your group, what, what happens that day? And from there on, do, do you feel the immediate impact of him in the room, even before you get on the floor?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I started with just looking around before we even really had practice, training camp, or anything. Just looking around in the gym or the before we even started a day, like in the gym, just looking at the players we have, and we could look around and tell like we have a we have a mob here. We have a really good team here. Like we have, I like our chances with this team right here. And um, as you see, it's going. Pretty well for us right now. We continue to get better, but right off that, right off the jump where everybody was in there, before we even picked up a ball and started training together, you could there was that energy right from jump street.
0: You know, you would hear guys talk about, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. Before this team turned the corner and you really started to turn that corner last year, you knew what had come before you in Phoenix and the losing, the frustration, a lot of dysfunction, and that there was just a group of young players there who it seemed like were dying for direction and did not want to be painted by what had gone on. And and you know how this league is, you get a perception, yeah, the Suns are that. They're just mm-hmm. it's a perennial lottery team right now. And yeah, they've got some talent, but they don't have a a cohesion to pull it together. What was it like your rookie year when you walked in pre-Monty Williams, obviously pre-Chris Paul? And there's still a lot of losing going on. There's habits and things you see that you probably never saw on the worst day at Villanova.
1: Yeah, um, it was tough. But, uh, you know, just being a rookie, just trying to do everything you can do. You know, control what you can control. Just still working hard every day. Um, trying to play hard out there. Uh, continue the habits and then learning more about the NBA. I think the bet, one of the best words I've gotten, especially my rookie year, was from Jamal Crawford. And he told me, you know, when times get tough, the true you comes out. So, like, what are you going to be like when times get tough and you start losing? Are you just going to be like, all right, whatever? I'm not going to work as hard. We already know we're going to probably lose this game, yada. I just get this year over with. Or who are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to continue to work every day and even lose your? You're going to be obviously frustrated, but it's not going to stop you getting better. And I was training where, like, I was getting frustrated. I'm like, all right, we're just losing, like, you know, whatever. But then once he talked to me, kind of getting back to myself and coming in every single day, staying in the gym, getting better recovery, even if I'm not picking up a basketball on an off day, like I'm coming there, getting recovery, make sure my body's good, doing all the little things I could do possible. So even when we're losing, it's it's not, like, personally, you're not, like, going out there, like, it's whatever. You're going out there. Like, I know I'm out there. I'm at my – I'm going to try to be my, at my best and I've been training and I've been prepared for this game every single time. So Jamal gave me give me those words and advice and it stuck with me ever since.
0: Part of what attracted NBA teams to you, Philly who drafted you and then Phoenix who traded for you on draft night and gave up a lot to get you, was your was your pedigree. Was being a four-year player at Villanova a red shirt as a freshman and then somebody who went from a role player to an all American and a lottery pick. And as you listen, I think there's a kind of player that comes from Jay Wright's program and you see it around the NBA and you saw, you see it with Kyle Lowry, you see it with more of your peers, like guys who do the little things, guys who play all out all the time. And, you know, even before your offensive game, Mikel, had become what it's becoming now and and your shooting has gotten better. You just make those plays all over the court. You know how to cut, you defend multiple positions. And so you come to the league with all those habits, right? And there's a part of you saying, I know what the right way is to play every day and not cut corners because that's what was demanded of us there. That's why people wanted me. And then there's right, these moments in that first year where you go, well, I see some others cutting it, and we are losing. Is that the fight in your mind of like I've got to stay true to all of those principles that that help elevate me to this?
1: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, knowing myself, um, I've been a winner my whole life, and I know this year is not going to turn me to that year, especially my rookie is not going to turn me to a losing person. So I'm not go out, I'm not going to go out there and just go through the motions and just be out there, whatever. I'm going to let it be known if even if it's other teams or whoever's watching, at least they know that that kid out there, he's not going out here just to play and whatever. Like I'm out there trying to win. I'm going to play my hardest. I'm going to give him my body on the court. I'm going to do all the little things as well. Even if I'm not going to score, I'm still doing a little thing. So no, like you could, you could spot, you could spot a winner even on a losing team and, I knew to myself that I'm. A, I was. I'm always a winning person. I don't care if it. If it took it five years, in the league until we started winning. You know, gratefully Monty came in my second year and, you know, turned the whole organization, and got us to where we're at right now. So, but even if it took five years, I would continue to keep doing the same thing until a blessing like that happened.
0: How did Monty Williams? change this organization change kind of the template of your team and and even for you like you didn't he didn't just throw you out on the court and give you a ton of minutes from day one and and a role it it, it certainly evolved over time how, how did all that unfold
1: um he's just He just, he he reminds me a lot of Coach Wright as well. Just wanted wanted you to be the best version of yourself on and off the court. And he has his principles and what we stand for. And he's going to preach it to us. And whoever, he makes people people's with it. You know, people who generally wants to, wants to win and wants to be a, a really good player and a really good person as well. And, um, just him, how he does off the court, just helped everything else for everybody on the court. Everybody trusts him. Everybody believes in him. And for me, from the beginning, uh, pl- starting a lot my rookie year and playing a lot, I was coming in thinking I was going to pl- start and play right away, and that wasn't the case. And I wasn't, I was, I was, look, messed up in the head and wondering why I'm not playing that much. And then, you know, I remember in Memphis, he talked to me. You know, gave me a talk telling me he thinks I'm not working hard enough and things like that. And um, easily I could have just been like, whatever, man, Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you're new. Like, he doesn't know me. But um, I took it to heart and, you know, got back to it every single day to really, you know, show that I, I was I deserve to be out there. And he gave me a chance. And I just, you know, just kept with it to this day and just kept kept getting better.
0: In all your years of playing basketball, had you ever had a coach tell you that you weren't working hard enough? Uh,
1: yeah. I Coach Wright when I first came in. Um, and it's just, and the thing about Coach Wright, it's like, he won't, he's, he's, he's not going to stop. You know, if you're, you can work hard for 10 straight days and 11th day, if you're not in there working hard, he's going to tell you are not working hard. He's, there's tough ones it's that tough love where it wants you to be the best version of yourself. So, um, you know, that's how it was, and I, that's definitely the, the, the two times, two people that have been on me the most, and all in a loving way, though, to
0: make me better and to want, you know, the, the great out of me. It, it feels like Mondi r- tries to run an NBA team like a program, and I, I wonder if you feel the similarities. Not a lot of guys in the league played four years at – A place like Villanova, guys move through quicker um, in most cases. Do you feel like there was a program in Villanova? And now, with how Monty has put things in place, you know, he's got relationships with guys. He wants to have relationships. He wants to impact guys away from the floor. Is there, and especially when you have a lot of young guys, is there a little bit of a college feel to it at times?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially how. How he is, yeah, definitely a big college coach. Because the thing about college coaches, they, and what I get from Coach Wright is that obviously they care about you being a, a great player and all, but they they also care about you off the court. And that's what Coach Monty does. He, he knows it's bigger than basketball. And he'll talk to you about life and everything. You know, that's more important to him. And so once you get that, when you know, like, even if you're struggling in basketball a little bit, it's not the end of the world, you know? As athletes, as competitors, when you struggle, you get in a bad mood. You're like, that's all you think about. You know, it messes up your day. You want to be better every single day. When you're on the court, you want to play better. But no it's not the end of the world. And you placed. we got 72 games this year. You're going to, you have another chance at it. You know, just stay positive and be grateful for everything. And um, just get at it next time. Don't kind of hold your head over a game or two and everything. So I think Monty just does a great job of that. And as a person who's hard, hard on ourselves, like I am definitely, obviously I have my moments, but kind of clears my mind even having a bad game, just knowing that, you know, you work hard every single day, it's tough. You're not gonna make every shot. Man, I get the looks every single time, just, you know, be grateful on the outside, you know. I got family. I talk to every single day. Friends, so keeps me keeps me keeps me up for sure. And then, uh, then when basketball comes back again, you get the opportunity to go at it again.
0: Do you almost see the trajectory kind of similar to college in that you came into college, you were a redshirt, you were a role player uh, on a national championship team, then you became you know, an all big East player and all American, and then you become the best player on a national championship team. And you've seen your role increase each year in Phoenix. Do you feel, are there similarities between the, the path in both college at Nova and, and with Phoenix now?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just, it's trying to get better every single day, every year. I always hold myself accountable for that every year, I try to get better. Um, wow. It's funny because how this year is going right now kind of reminds me a lot of my second to last year at Nova my my junior but sophomore year of basketball. So um, that's how it kind of feels now. Like being a starter, playing a role, having guys above you, especially mainly with the ball. When Josh Hart was a senior, Chris Jenkins, and uh, even Jalen when he was a sophomore. Him having the ball and just kind of playing off those guys, you know, just. Some days you'll have big games, you know, and uh, some days you might not get the ball as much. It's just it's how it goes. If a person who doesn't have the ball and dominant in their hands, it's, it's tough to get points if you don't have it. You know, you just hope, hopefully, it comes and try to make plays on the other end. And that's how I, that's how it is where I was my um at my junior year. So kind of gave me the same vibe to where coming off the bench the year before and all things like that. And then just getting better and going to that role.
0: When you went to Villanova, you know you weren't recruited by everybody in the world. You were from outside the city. You were at a high school that wasn't a considered like a basketball power. And then you 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 show up as a freshman, right, Mikkel? And I think you guys had a scrimmage with Maryland, and they had uh, they were very good. They had uh, Trimble was their point guard, right? You played well in the scrimmage, and then there's this conversation with you. I think your mom and the coaching staff about the idea of redshirting. Mm-hmm. What What do you remember about that? To me, it seems even impossible. Like with the transfer portal, no one would accept. It wasn't that long ago, but it feels like now that's a conversation. I think that's happening very few places anymore about, I'm going to redshirt a year um, and, and, and sit it out and, and come back next year on a team that you could have contributed to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's not
1: easy. I mean, it's, Especially being a competitor and loving the game of basketball, it's not easy to sit out a whole year. You never done that in your life unless you had an injury. You know, if you're not injured and you have to sit out, like that's that's never happened before. You're like as you grow up as a kid, if you're not playing, it's because you're hurt or you or you're just not there. I don't know. You play a different sport, but it's just that's how it was, and um, it was tough. But just knowing the right people on my side and my family, and knowing that just to be patient um all the things that could work out, you know, knowing that I had that extra year, even when I did leave, just know I always had that as a, you know, a little something to have in the back door, a little plan at the end. If you plan plan B, so uh I always just it was just my family, my mom really just making my decision a little bit easier and talking to friends and knowing that it made a lot of sense and just, just sticking with it.
0: Mikael, when you think about like what this transfer portal looks like in college basketball now, and, and I'm, I'm 100% for players being able to move the way they want to move, just like any other student can, the way coaches can. Fran Frischel, I think who works at ESPN, made a good point. I think it was on Twitter the other day about wondering, though, if something is lost in that the minute you hit some adversity and instead of working through working through it the way you might, that the freedom allows you to just keep jumping when things are tough. And I know that's not the case with every transfer, but when you think back to maybe having some patience with your growth at the time, to me, it's an interesting push and pull between the new reality and your experience that to me seemed like it had a lot of value long-term for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I just knew there was really no rush. Some people some kids had different plans and maybe with their family and other people think for them thinking, you know, about future and NBA and things like that. I really had no, no rush, you know, I just wanted to enjoy college and uh, play NCAA, you know, try to win national championships, just, you know, be out there and be, you know, one, the best player on the team or be like a leader you know, as always my goal, wasn't always just think about straight NBA. You know, NBA was a plus and everything. You, know, you always as a competitor, like and you you wanted to play at the high level, you always wanted to dream to be the NBA. But that wasn't the reason why if I registered it wasn't the first thing I thought I was like things are mess up my NBA. Like no, I just knew it was gonna help me get better. It's gonna help my chances to to get out there and play. And after that then if NBA starts calling and
0: everything like that, dude, that's a plus. When you think of draft night, I think there was a sense, You remember, I think you had a sense, your mom who worked for the Sixers, for that ownership group for a very long time in Human Resources, it was a dream come true. The Sixers are picking 10th. Your mom works for the team. You grew up rooting for the team, and they had identified you. They were hoping you were going to be there. You were there. And then Phoenix makes this big offer that they feel like they've got to take. And you go to the Suns. What do you remember about that draft night and and the emotions of it? Because you were, there was a period of time where you felt like I was drafted by the Sixers. That's where I'm headed. And then all of a sudden it shifted and you were going west.
1: It was tough for sure. Uh, Just when you're thinking all the time during a pre-draft, which teams you're going to go and you know, you start thinking about where you're going to live. You know, if you go to this city, you know, you start playing games with having fun. I always knew Philly was one of the main spots I wanted to go just because it's back home. My mom worked there. It was like the perfect spot for me, but yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was tough to, as crazy as it it was tough to enjoy draft night after that. You know, you just, you get so worked up and all the emotions of being traded on draft night from like your hometown team, like it's not easy. You know, it's not, we're all humans. You can't just hide them and just be happy. You know, it was tough. I had to fight it and, you know, I was frustrated. I had to find my way to an in interviews and stuff and show that, you know, I was happy and everything. And it, it wasn't easy. I just remember Coach Wright telling me after that whole thing, how, just how smart and how tough you are to, to fight through all those interviews and and stay the same and not be upset or anything like that and show emotion through the cameras and everything just to stay professional. It took me days to realize what Phoenix did and how I should be happy with it and everything. But it was tough. I mean, I wish I had a draft night where I really enjoyed the whole process. And it's tough for me to say because I dreamed about it my whole life. I never even thought I'd go top 10 in my whole life. And the fact that a thing like that a trade even though I still go top 10 to a great city like Phoenix I'm upset about it and I mean that hurt me for a while just knowing I felt like I was just ungrateful for it just like why would you be mad that you got traded who cares like you're in the NBA you got drafted 10 like this is a dream and then took me time to get on to that and figure that out and then ever since then I've just been happy and loving where I'm at and then Right now I'm at the ultimate high, just how great we are and thinking having a coach like Monty and the friends I have, teammates I have right now. I mean, I would trade for
0: anybody. Yeah, I mean it's 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 worked out. I mean, just in your third year, what you're doing, what this team has done, and it is such a mental battle right now, so many games in so few days. What is just the mental toll, mentally and physical, of having to go day after day in this you've got a you've got this very compressed schedule and and the way you play Mikhail, you're guarding Steph Curry one night you're guarding James Harden you're guarding Luka Doncic you've guarded LeBron James multiple positions and it takes a great deal of preparation for you I think to prepare for each of those different assignments uh, has this been a challenge that just a real challenge for everybody to get through this.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's, it's not easy at all. You know, it's tough. Um, but the thing is, I'm not the only, like you said, I ain't the only person out there. There's guys that got tougher things on the court as well. And then, you know, with assignments of every single day playing with this, and then you never know what people are dealing with off the court as well. That's not, that's not easy too. So I'm just grateful that. Only thing I have to really worry about is just basketball, and not nothing really else that that can you know affect me on the court. So just grateful I'm, you know, blessed with my family and everything. Everything's good on that on that end, where I can just concentrate play basketball. But you know, there's there's guys and there's there's people in the world in general, but talking about an elite that go through much worse. And like I said, I'm just grateful to be here and have an opportunity to guard Hall of Fame players like I am and. Having an ability to step up to that challenge and have the confidence in my coaches to tell me like you're going to him tonight and I don't care if it's a back-to-back and your leg's tired, we're still going to put you on this guy because we believe that you're our best, you know, our, the best chances of slowing them down or stopping them or making it difficult for them. And that just gives me confidence to go out there and, and do what I have to do.
0: How much conversation around your team centers on the playoffs, talking about the playoffs, what it's going to be like in the playoffs? You have a lot of young guys who've not been there yet. Does Monty Williams, does Chris Paul, is that a big part of your conversation day in and day out right now? Um,
1: I think for Monty in general, Monty, Coach Monty is just really into just on us getting better every single day. You know, obviously purpose for playoffs, but knowing that, we're a long way from there. We have to keep getting better, and if we, you know, working on our habits and everything. So if we perfect our habits or get really good at habits, that when playoff time comes, it's going to be tough for us to uh, be beaten, and and that's what we need. But having the players, obviously, we're the ones playing. Get ready for the playoffs, and guys like CP, he, you know, how we play games and how we're guarding or saying like, we might not play the best team out there, but we're giving up open shots, but they're just missing and we're winning, you know, you know, CP would tell us like, like, like you gotta prepare for the best. Like obviously, like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like this team might be last in the West, last in the East, but then we'll come to playoff time. Those guys aren't making that. Or if you make this play, you might've scored here, but when playoff time comes, that's not gonna be open. You got team, five players out there that's connected together more than they ever had before with great coaching staff, you know, it's going to, it's going to be tough to have that layup. you going, you have to figure things out, preparing yourself for the playoffs. And I think coach, coach gets us right. where with our habits every single day trying to be the best team we could be and, uh, more to players, especially CP talking about how things is going to work and how we sh- how we got to get better in order to, um, be ready for the playoffs.
0: Well, this is going to be a wild postseason in the Western Conference. And, and certainly uh, Mikhail, your Phoenix team now 39 and 15, just a game and a half back of Utah, knocking on the door with them. You guys have played great, and you've had just a remarkable season. And, and the role you're playing on, on again another winning team like you did at Villanova, winning a couple national championships, winning in the Big East. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch, Mikael. I appreciate you taking the time out. You know, I know there's a a grind of regular season games left, but playoffs, they're coming. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, This is fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, Phoenix Suns forward Mikael Bridges. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure also to listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe and The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you soon.